0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. So whatever you're doing, wherever you happen to be, maybe, you know, lots of you are at the gym, you're on a run, you're on a ride. If you're a cyclist like me, maybe you're doing yard work, it is the season. And uh, a lot of you like are like, yeah, when I mow the lawn, hey, you know what? You know, it's kind of fun. The podcast will be for this summer. I can't tell you how many times when we were in beta for this podcast, like I would put a beta episode on and then go cut the grass and then like say to Toby, I think we need, like, I just couldn't quite hear it. Like when the lawnmower was running or, you know, you're driving down the highway. It's like, yeah, the voices were a bit obscured. We worked on EQing this podcast so much that, you know, whether you were like literally in a you know, driving, flying a fighter jet, you could listen to it. So hopefully whatever you're doing, maybe some of you are, well, hopefully if you're flying a, a fighter jet, you're focused. But um, for all the rest of us, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we tried to make it so that you could listen to this anywhere, anytime, and whatever you're doing, it, hey, what a privilege to be along for the ride. Uh, today, we have got the Scrog Dog, Clay Scroggins, back on the podcast And Clay and I had been having just a number of conversations whenever we got together um, about the digital disruption. And I am so excited about this episode. I've been talking about it a lot. He's been talking about it a lot. They're looking at it at North Point, where Clay is the lead pastor of North Point Community Church. Uh, He works with Andy Stanley at North Point. And I got to tell you, like, this is a fascinating interview. Also, you may have heard this on some episodes or you will hear this soon, uh, but we have now actually completed a massive renovation on our main floor. You know, it's one of those like every 15 years you should probably renovate. So we did that. I uh, got a whole new main floor, but I'm pretty sure that I don't know what was going on the day we've filmed this, we recorded this, but it sounds like the apocalypse, just so you know. So you'll hear that at times, but it all turned out great. We, we are thrilled with the results. And uh, anyway, hey, you know, the leadership principle in all of that is it's so easy to cancel. Uh, sometimes just work through it. You know what? Listeners will put up with it. It's a great interview. And uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be bringing this to you. So sometimes you just have to push through imperfect conditions. And if you wait for perfect conditions, guess what? It's not going to ship. That's life. And of course, I do all this out of my house. So there you go. Hey, I want to let you know about something really exciting that's happening next month. Uh, I am launching a brand new online course with my friend, Mark Clark. So Mark and I have been preaching for literally decades to people every weekend. And between the two of us, we speak to thousands of people every week. Mark leads a church called Village Church in BC. There are four locations, 5,000 people. Uh, I lead Connexus Church. I've been preaching here for a long time. We speak to 1,500 people every weekend, majority of whom are unchurched, which is a lot of fun. Uh, plus thousands online. Plus, uh, you know, I've been communicating at conferences around the world. Right now, as you listen to this, I'm in Australia, New Zealand, uh, speaking to church leaders there. And so, we are releasing a course called "The Art of Better Preaching," and it's all about how to communicate with the unchurched without selling out. That's right. You can be faithful to Scripture, faithful to your faith, and figure out how to communicate better. So, Mark and I talk about the art and the science. Of preaching. Uh, In the course, I I walk you through how to speak without using notes, how to develop a killer bottom line. So, um, you know, there are ways you can craft a message so that people have a chance of remembering it five or 10 years down the road. I get people all the time going, Remember that message you preached a decade ago? They remember it better than I do. There's a technique behind that. And I mean, obviously, if you're throwing 10, 20, 30 hours a week into your preaching, don't you want to make it great? So jump on the wait list because uh, we're going to be launching this in less than a month, about a month. And it's called The Art of Better Preaching. Go to theartofbetterpreaching.com. Jump on the wait list. You'll be on the inside track for that. And also, um, I know a lot of you are looking for help. You're thinking like, I need need just a little bit of extra help or you're overwhelmed. I want to let you know, the people that I turn to again and again are Belay. So uh, this is a company that's been around now for seven years. They are experts at this. And I had one of those scenarios where literally two of my team members told me within a month of each other that they were expecting. And I'm really thrilled for them and kind of like, oh, okay, half my team, like I got to replace half my team. So um, Belay is part of that solution for me. And you can go to belaysolutions.com carry. And what's amazing is they do all the work for you. Like they went out and they found candidates. They present you with one or two top candidates. You have the power to say yes or no. And um, they have such a a careful screening process. Like think about how long it takes you to sort through resumes and then find the right person and find the right fit. Man, I've found them to be a great partner. If you're looking for 10 hours a week, 20 or full-time or whatever, go to belaysolutions.com slash carry. I promise you. Virtual works and it is the future. My team that brings you this podcast, blog, speaking, all the stuff I do, books, uh, they're all virtual. Uh, We don't even have an office. That kind of saves on overhead too. And whether you're a hybrid office where you have physical and digital, or whether you're looking for a virtual solution entirely, belaysolutions.com forward slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y, they can help. And now without much further ado into the construction zone with my good friend and incredible thinker and leader. Clay Scroggins. Well, I get to be in the construction studio with Clay Scroggins today. Welcome back, Clay.
1: Carrie, this is a treat for me. The Carrie <laughs> Neufall Podcast, I Leadership Podcast. I'm honestly I'm thrilled. Thank you. Big
0: fan. Well, I'm glad to have you back. And we have some guests in the background you will hear throughout this interview, not on Clay's end, but on mine. We have a massive renovation happening above me. We were just a little bit behind, so... Uh, we didn't want to cancel the podcast, so we we're just going to keep going. I don't think you'll hear jackhammers, Clay, uh, but you will hear just about every other piece of machinery you can imagine happening in the kitchen, on the main floor, in the driveway of my house. The uh, beauty of home offices, but hopefully a nicer home in a week or two.
1: Hey, Carrie, uh, I feel like you have a nice look and feel personally, and your wife seems like a very thoughtful, smart, uh, opinionated person. How was how that? How did it go? You guys making
0: decisions about your house? Um, so, Clay, can we just talk, Dr. Scroggins? Uh, we have been married a long time, longer than you and Jenny. And so we actually uh, got a referee um, to help us. So oh. my sister, Jen Bailey, is, has impeccable taste in this stuff. And uh, my wife and I, we do have opinions, but uh, we're not very good. Like, we went in to get, like, ceramic tile for the floor. It was just the house, 15 years old, needed a refresh. Do you know, we went to a store in Toronto that had like literally 10,000 tile samples. Like, mm. I don't I don't even know where to start. It's like, first of all, I didn't know that there were this many ceramic tiles. And secondly, right. how the heck do you decide? So my sister comes and she's like, okay, if you want this look, here are five options. Uh, which do you want? Well, that made it a lot easier. Wait and a then um, eventually there were so many details, I just quit. So... Okay. Um, there's lots of things I don't know about. Although this morning we had to run into town, the electricians here. And do you have a Nest thermostat in your house?
1: I do not, but I would love one. You get that.
0: So, uh, there were two forms. One was white and the other one, uh, was like a silver collar with color. And so my wife wanted to get the white one cause it would blend in with the paint, but it was mm-hmm. like the last generation and cheaper. So I bought the, the good one, the, the third generation And she's like, but it's so ugly. I said, any guy walking in would be like, oh, you have a nest? And like, they would talk about that on the way to the big green egg, right? Yeah. So, is the
1: nest paying for advertising or is the big green egg paying for advertising yet on the Carrie Newhall Leadership Podcast?
0: No, but if you listen, big green egg people, I would gladly accept a sponsorship or free swag (laughs) or like whatever. No, that is a labor of love. It is truly a hobby. A hobby costs you time and costs you money. That's right. Um, but I think it pays back. And you're a big green egger, right?
1: I, I do egg. Yes, I do. I try When's to your... reach it up as much as possible just for the same reason that you try to include it on your podcast. Surely they'll pick up on it.
0: Did you do that at Drive a couple of years ago? You got that mini big green egg for your talk? Yes, yeah,
1: I did it at, a, I think it was um, maybe regroup, a regroup conference.
0: Oh, was it? Okay.
1: I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, so your wife, is a um, she's still practicing?
0: She is. She's an attorney. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's amazing.
0: That's really He's cool. a divorce lawyer. So I always told her, if anything happens, I'm hiring you. Um, <laughs> so that's my strategy. I don't know how it's working. Uh, but yeah, she practices part-time. Point. And just so you know, before we get all this email, it's like, what's your wife doing as a divorce lawyer? She yeah. is actually committed to trying to make it harmonious and to bring the gospel into it and to try to keep people together. So To
1: redeem divorce. Look at that. That's trying.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's it awesome. gets very ugly very fast. And so she's mm-hmm. trying to protect kids and... Yep. Uh, trying yep. to shine light into a tough place. So anyway, uh, how do you handle that? Just because we're, we've gone there, how do you handle that with uh, your wife? Because she is, you know, I've met Jenny. She's amazing. Uh, does she have opinions? You just let her run that? Or you're an opinionated uh, guy. I mean, you have a beautiful office. I mean, oh, well, how do you handle stuff? Yeah, all, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I'm colorblind. And so, oh. um, I mean, I, I have a red-green deficiency. So I, I just leave that up to her. Whatever she wants to do, I am all in.
0: Oh, you're a much better husband than me. I'm colorblind, but I don't let that stop me from having an opinion. So, Are you colorblind? A little bit, they say. Okay. I have real trouble. Like I have this army type yeah. thing on, and I have trouble with brown, green, and gray. If something is on that edge, I really can't tell.
1: We, um, we're diving deep, getting vulnerable, talking about colorblindness.
0: <laughs> but that's not why we're here primarily, is it? We're, we're going to talk about, uh, well, the internet. And uh, before we get there, I just want to say last time you were on, it was last summer. And uh, we talked about how to lead when you're not in charge. One of the most downloaded episodes on this podcast to what? Almost 200 episodes in. And uh, I I just think you're the leading authority on that. How have things been for you since the launch of um, how to lead when you're not in charge?
1: Well, you know, um, so Carrie. B- uh we're not just uh this is not just an interview today, but we are actually friends, which has been really fun. Yeah. And you told me one time, you said, I hope you enjoy talking about that because you're going to be talking about it a lot. And uh you were right. I have been talking about it a lot, which that is it honestly I've loved it. But it's been interesting. Um I have I have done I've the I mean I I'm not exactly, it's not like my inbox is blowing up with invitations to speak, but the ones that are there are usually with um, businesses Hmm. and organizations and not necessarily churches. So I've done, I've done it some with churches, but I've done it mostly with um, business leaders and, and mostly in Atlanta. I can't travel a whole lot because we've got um, a growing family. And so, um, but the great, that's one of the great things about being in Atlanta, tons of great businesses great organizations, corporations. And that's been the most fun part, is trying to do the talk uh, in a way that would entice people to um, get to know Jesus a little more.
0: Mm. You've had eight months of reader feedback. What would you say, from what you can tell, based on people's reaction to the book, their biggest aha moment, their biggest light bulb moment has been in reading the book?
1: I think it's the, um, I think we're all tempted to blame outside forces or circumstances for why we're not becoming the leader that we know we could become or should become. And I think the the best or the maybe the most common feedback I get is, wow, I really feel like I need to own my own leadership track more than ever before, mm-hmm. which is... Includes getting under authority and leading myself well, and being in charge of what I can only be in charge of, which is my attitude and the way I'm responding to situations. And so that that's been really encouraging. And I think that um, there's a lot of hope in that for people that feel stuck, because um, you 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 can you can help yourself get unstuck. You don't have to just go get a new boss or get yeah. a. New yeah. <laughs> That's been the that's been my favorite.
0: Well, we are friends, and that's one of the reasons I'm really glad to have you back. But you and I have been having on a number of different occasions, um, in person, and just sort of fun discussions about this whole digital divide. And I was shocked to discover that that's actually what your doctorate is in. I mean, you are you actually have a PhD, and it was on online church. It was a few years ago now. But I I love your thinking on it, and I wanted to bring that conversation to leaders everywhere. So if you lead in a church, uh, this is definitely relevant. But if you lead in a business, too, I mean, this is a big deal for everybody. We live, you know, I have a degree in history way back when. And I think when you look at some of the major movements in history, you know, we are living in really interesting times, Clay. Uh, It's as big as the Industrial Revolution, maybe bigger um. also, we are watching the collapse of Christendom in the West that's happening in our lifetime. Like, this is, this is all happening in front of us. And um, I talk to a lot of leaders, Clay, who feel threatened by the internet oh, yeah. um, in yeah. the church world. You know, let's not put our messages online. Let's get people into the seats. Uh, yep. in, in the business world, people are afraid. It's like, man, Amazon is going to kill us or, you know, these online, you know, websites are going to kill us. And um, they're even convinced that this is what's already behind their decline. Talk to us about that. What's your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, I I think to ignore it is maybe the worst thing that we could do because Mm. it's clearly it has changed the world. And so we've got to start there by just going, okay, something has happened. Uh, my uh, My boss was telling me the other day, just on a side conversation, he said, oh, my daughter knocked her her side view mirror off her car. And he said, so I first thing I did is I Googled it. I found a YouTube video that showed how to replace a Honda CRV side view mirror. I ordered it on Amazon. It got to me in two days. And I put the side view mirror on by myself, which all of us have a story like that. I mean, my daughter, our uh, she was, I think she was two at the time. Uh, one of our volunteers at our church was kind of swinging her around by her arm and her arm popped out of socket. Oh my. I YouTubed it and put her arm back in socket, Carrie.
0: That's amazing. You are Doctor Scroggins. <laughs> See,
1: <laughs> um, that, that's probably irresponsible. But uh, nonetheless, when I was talking to my boss about this, I said, "See, look, there is a there is a Napa auto parts store or a, some sort of you know auto shop staring at a shelf full of side view mirrors going." Mm-hmm what's happened to our side view mirror business, you know? And then there's some mechanic who's staring at his monthly numbers or her monthly numbers going, what's happened? Like our side view mirror business has dried up. And we would look at that person and go, you idiot. There's a thing called Amazon. There's a thing called YouTube. Are you not paying attention? Now people just can put that on themselves. And I feel like as the church, too often, we're doing the same thing. We're staring at what what we're seeing in our churches going, I don't get it. What's happening? And the answer is there is a digital explosion that has affected every industry in the world, including education, retail, banking, financial advising, you name the industry, including local church ministry. And we would be foolish to just ignore it. So that's the... To me, that's the baseline of where we got to start, that the, the largest taxi cab company in the world, uh, Uber, owns no mm-hmm. cars. The largest vacation rental company in the world owns no real estate, Airbnb. And the largest retailer in the world, Alibaba, owns no inventory. And the world is different than it was 20 years ago. So. Um, that's kind of the foundation for the discussion for me, is that something has happened.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, you and I uh, both lead churches, you at North Point, me at Conexus as the founding pastor. We have online ministries. I mean, Conexus broadcasts live online. We've now gone to repeating services via Facebook at, I don't know, eight times over a Sunday or whatever. We have a growing online audience. You guys have a growing online audience. Talk to the church leader who's like, dude, we don't put anything online. We don't have a podcast, maybe because they're a small church, or maybe they have the resources, but they just haven't chosen to go there. Um, are the people who have abdicated and said, "Hey, I'm not going there," we don't we don't see ourselves online in the future. Are they also paying a price uh, because of the disruption?
1: I think that there's just an opportunity cost that's missed. I mean, I think the you know what our goal as church leaders is to leverage the tools of the day to reach people with the message and the hope of Jesus and in Paul's day or in John uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved in his day he wrote this um, he wrote this letter first second third John three letters and in two of them he wrote a verse that's very similar it says uh, I long to be with you face to face no he says he says I write to you now in mm-hmm. pen and ink Though I long to be with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete, and the way I interpret that verse is, he's saying, "Hey, yes, there's something powerful about being face to face. There's something, uh, there is a hand on the shoulder thing that happens that that will never be replaced, and that's always going to be the goal in life. Is let's get in the same room, let's be face to face. However, there is a new technology that we have and the ability to write." a pen, put a pen. It wasn't new necessarily, but their technology of the day was putting the pen to the paper and getting this letter mailed somehow through some sort of courier to this group of people. And so there's something powerful about leveraging the tech, the tools or technology of the day. I think it's, it's what our goal is as ministers, pastors, church leaders is to go, what do we have? What, what, what tools do we have today? And how can we leverage those tools? So I just think we're missing so much. I mean, the way the internet has changed, the way we communicate, the possibility of uh, content being available at any time, and also the a way to reach people that we would never reach otherwise, it's just, uh, it's changed. And we would be foolish to not pay attention to it, not leverage it.
0: How big do you think the disruption that's happening is? Like... You know, you get any any sense. I heard, um, what's his name, Boris Johnson or whatever, say a few years ago, and this might have been circa 2012, he said, right now the internet is the size of a golf ball. hundred years from now, it'll be the size of the sun. And wow. you think this is going away. It's not going away. I mean, any sense of the size of the disruption that's happening the way you think about it?
1: I mean, I, I'm not... Um I'm not a researcher or an academician enough to, uh, I'm not academic enough, I should say, to speak on behalf of the disruption globally or even, I'm, I'm not even a, I'm not a, I, I'm not a seminarian. I'm not even a philosopher at all. I can, the reason why I say that is because I only know how big the disruption is for our church. Mm. And so, and I, and I do think that the way people feel the disruption is probably determined by, your method or your model of ministry. So for instance, I've got a brother-in-law who lives in Western Massachusetts. Um, he, he attends, uh, first congregational church. Uh, and it's where Jonathan Edwards was. It was his last pastorate. Wow. So pretty stellar tradition at this church. It's about, I don't know, 200 people at this church. And I, I'm having this conversation with him. I'm going, yeah, people at our church, we're trying to figure it out because we've got people that are that now uh, aren't attending in person because they can just listen or watch online. And I say that to him, and he's going, "What? Why would anyone do that?" But so <laughs> then I, when I dive in and ask a couple of questions about, well, tell me how what does a church service look like? You know, it's very communal. It's very um, Congregational, it's a lot of stand up, sit down. It's uh, they take communion together. They sit and share prayer requests. Well, the model of our ministry is we have about an hour service. We do a couple of songs. We do some sort of inspirational vision moment, and then Andy drops this 40-minute sermon that's uh, rarely not good, and people are challenged to take a step and make a decision or do something different with their life. But 66.67% of the service is people, in our case, staring at a screen because we're primarily a video site now. Andy's been broadcasting out of our Buckhead location for the last six months or so. And so I think the, the method or the model of our church has caused us to feel a disruption that maybe is earlier than most churches might be feeling it. But I think it's coming for all of us. But I think that's where um, I think we're feeling it pretty substantially right now.
0: Yeah. And and let's jump to that. How are um, you experiencing at North Point and at NPM, North Point Ministries, uh, the digital disruption in terms of in-person attendance, online engagement? What trends are you guys seeing?
1: Yep. You know, this is um, the the, um, trends that we started seeing in our physical attendance is what I feel like has precipitated all of these conversations. For us, it was probably about a year ago that um, – so w- we had switched our dashboard to a more engagement-driven dashboard. It still had um, attendance on it, but we listened to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, Carrie, And so we've heard you talking about engagement is the new attendance for years. Or I don't know. How long have you been saying that? For two or three years? It's been
0: a few years, yeah. Yeah, so we've been
1: listening and we are in agreement. And so we changed our dashboard. And so we had, you know, how many people are in groups, how many people are serving, how many households are giving, but we still had attendance on there. So our, probably the dashboard we used from like, you know, 2005, maybe 2007 to about 2015, really for about 10 years, it was primarily, it was uh, nickels and noses, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was uh, people and dollars. And so Andy about, I don't know, it was probably about a year ago. He said, hey, he, he asked our uh, data analytics guy he said, hey, Bob, pass out the um, let's pass out the the old attendance dashboard just to see it. And everything was in red except for maybe one of our campuses. So everything was uh, there was a maybe a more than 10 percent decline in physical attendance year over year at all of our locations in this particular month. I think the month was in March. And, you know, I remember Andy. This is what's so great about Andy. Andy is such an honest leader. Yeah, And he said, you know, wow, this really feels like a sucker punch to all of, a gut punch to all of us, you know, not a sucker punch, a gut punch to all of us. And that is the way it felt. So that was the, that was really, I mean, I think we had been having a lot of these conversations, but what we started seeing in our decline in attendance, but primarily at our physical locations. Now, granted, we had just opened a building the year before at two of our locations. So they had seen <laughs> huge growth the year before. But uh, our three largest and oldest campuses um, were seeing this attendance decline. So that is what caused a lot of these conversations. Then uh, I had this uh, great conversation. It was a challenging conversation with a guy named Frank Blake. Uh, Frank, uh, I actually just listened to Frank on the Tim Ferriss podcast. I just
0: saw that he was on at the time we we're recording this. Cause Andy had him on Andy's podcast, what, a couple uh, of years ago?
1: Yeah, probably two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and his, his conversation with Tim Ferriss, it is a must listen to All
0: just right. for All the right.
1: sake of a leader. I mean, Frank is just such an unusual, I mean, I've never met many CEO. I have not met many CEOs, but he's gotta be one of the most humble, yeah. Uh, unusual CEOs that there's ever been. He's just not this like, uh, power, you know, driven large in of,
0: charge. He's, kind of exactly. He's
1: just not that yeah. way. He's very bright, very insightful, trained as an attorney, just like you are and your wife as well. Um, so that makes him cut above as I well. I,
0: I don't know about that or, or despised. It can also mean that or despised, uh-huh. there's also so, that option. Tell, tell the whole story. Tell the whole story, because I know this yeah. story. I've heard you tell it before about, you know, getting the text from Andy and the whole deal. That, yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh,
1: so I had done something. It was a Monday. I had done something that morning. I have uh, done some sort of recording with Andy for something else, and so I was getting ready for that. He texted me that morning and said, what are you doing for lunch? And I said, uh, plans have just opened up. I'm doing whatever (laughs) you tell me I'm doing for lunch. So he says, well, hey, well, I've got this guy coming in town. Um, It's a friend of Frank Blake. And so Frank wants me to go to lunch with this guy. Would you want to go with us? And I said, absolutely. Hand me a coloring book. I'll sit in the corner quietly and uh, I won't distract anybody. I swear, you know. So um, I go to lunch with them. I mean, this was pretty cool that this um, there was a pastor. So Frank had this associate. Frank used to work at GE. Uh, Frank's yeah. the biggest thing he did in his career was he was the CEO of the Home Depot. And before this, he had been at General Electric and he had a coworker there, uh, one of his colleagues, that is a Jesus follower and is really engaged in his church. And so this guy had been talking to Frank about what's going on at their church. And Frank's like, man, you you need to bring the people at your church down to meet my friend, Andy Stanley. And so this, you know, so they flew privately down to Atlanta, land at this airport. They limo over to this restaurant. And uh, Andy later asked me like the next week, he asked me like, you know, in front of like our, his whole leadership team, he's like, hey, what was your big takeaway from that lunch? And I said, uh, without thinking, this is one of those I regret saying it moments. But my first response was that you're a pretty big deal. Like that was my big takeaway. <laughs> someone flew privately down here to uh, see you. Oh, just to have lunch with you. Yeah. Uh, it's been years since someone's done that for me. But
0: Yeah, it's, it's been many years for a while.
1: me. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> we lunch. We, they were talking about multi-site and what this church is dealing with and should they go to multiple services or should they do another site? And Andy was being really gracious and weighing in on their problem and kind of telling the story of North Point. So about the end of the lunch, uh, the guy, their pastor goes, hey, well, what's, what's the big challenge you guys are facing? And we had just had a pretty significant, dynamic, robust conversation about this, and Andy knew this was a uh, real big passion point for me, and we couldn't figure it out. So I said, uh, because in the meantime, uh, you know, while we're experiencing all these attendance changes, everything else is going up. Not, mm-hmm. That's the part that's so peculiar.
0: Is so by everything else, you mean giving? Oh, you things mean
1: things that matter to us, like. More households giving than ever before, and they're giving at a higher rate. Uh, more people in group than ever before, more people serving than ever before, and more new guests at our church than ever before. Yeah. And the total amount of people in our database was growing. So the number of active people who had done anything in the last year was growing. So we had more people more engaged, but the weekly attendance was down. And meanwhile, all of our clicks. I would say all of our on demand sermons, our podcast downloads, those were all just going bananas. Mm -hmm. So, uh, our online service, including uh, as well. So Frank said, uh, I, so I, I said, here's our problem is that our attendance is declining, but everything else is going up and we don't know what to do about it. And the way I describe it, Frank was, it was like he was sitting in his seat, but he had a seatbelt on because the whole conversation, he was kind of sitting in the corners, like this proud grandfather, like, glad that he made this connection. And it was like he unbuckled his seat, his seatbelt got on the edge of his chair and you saw the drive and energy and insight of a fortune 10 CEO. I mean, it was pretty stellar. And he goes, listen, this same, we had these same conversations while I was at the home Depot. He said, um, I, when I became CEO, he, I think he's, he became CEO, maybe like Oh six, Oh seven, right before the um, the econ- the crash of the economy, right the economy home.
0: died. Yeah,
1: terrible time to be CEO of the Home Depot, a building construction retailer. Uh, but he what he did, I mean, he, incredible performance while he was there, as far as their stock price. And he said, um, so he said when I was at Home Depot, um, I decided we were going to pour tons of energy into HomeDepot.com. He said you can only imagine how furious our store managers were, because their brick and mortar stores are going like we're so upset because you're you're taking money out of our pocket by with every investment you make in homedepot.com and he said but what we found is and he said I'll never forget this he said the more we invested in homedepot.com the more our local brick and mortar stores grew and he mm. said what we found is that they actually fuel each other that the more someone shops online the more they're going to shop at the local store and the more they shop at the local store the more they're going to shop online that those two things work together so that was important because to your point earlier, I think we demonize the internet, we make the enemy out of it. We, you know, And whenever I bring this discussion up, at least for the first couple of months at work, everybody was immediately, most people immediately were like, "What are you trying to say that in the future we're all gonna be wearing virtual reality goggles and we're never gonna leave our parents' basement and <laughs> this is the way we're gonna live? No, that we're, we're never going to live fully digitally, but we're also not fully analog humans either. We're all a combo of both. We. We Amazon prime some things and we drop by the store for some things. It's always a combo of both. So I really do believe what they learned is has been true for us too, that they fuel each other, that the, the, the use of online technology fuels your local church growth. It can fuel it. So the second thing he said, he said, uh, let me tell you your problem, Andy, which I say that with a little more attitude that he might've said it, but in my memory, that's the way he said it. Like, listen here, Stanley, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like he rolled his finger out and pointed it at Andy and said, here's your problem. He said, you love that line, which is great, uh, lead church, uh, that we want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. That's the vision statement that we use. He said, your problem though, were those last two words to attend. He said, because what it means to attend in, in 2000 at the time, 2017 is very different than what it meant to attend in 1997, 20 years ago. He said, if you'll go do the work to figure out what it means to attend, what I think will happen is that you'll start counting every digital touch as important as every physical touch. And I think there's a lot of value to that, that I think if we could figure out a way to celebrate the digital touches as much of a win as the physical touches, then I think it might transform not just the way we do church, but I think it could transform the opportunities that are in front of the church in, in not just the United States but in, or in Canada, but in the world.
0: Hmm. Say a little bit more about that, because that is a very active dialogue among church leaders. You know, do we count online? How do we count online? What does that look like? And, you know, in part, I think I credit you in some of the posts I've written on this, but out of some conversations you and I have had over the last couple of years, you know, I really think that, you know, church leaders these days asking if the internet counts is kind of like Sears asking if Amazon counts. Of course (laughs) it counts. Of course it counts, right? Um, But like how to count it, because we're struggling with that. I get the numbers in my inbox every Monday, and we're in a place where our physical attendance is actually doing fairly well. Our digital attendance is through the roof, but we don't know what to do with that digital attendance. What do you think uh, we should do with that? And then, what are you doing with that to uh, to capitalize to leverage that?
1: Well, I think that you know the I, I'm not a I'm not a uh, expert on how to change. A large organization at all. I mean, we're a we're a midsize. I don't know. I don't know where we would be included on the size. Come on,
0: you're a large organization. You're you're a large you're, organization. How many people attend North Point these days? Over well, ten thousand. Like your campus.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Over ten thousand here at North Point. Probably 30, 35,000 All of our campuses. We have, I don't know, between five and six hundred employees. So to that, change that, anything takes a lot of time and. What I am learning, though, is that the first thing you got to change is you really have got to change the way people think. So that's where, that's where I have – I mean this whole thing has been a research experiment for me on how do you make change in, in, a, in an organization. And so I have started with the way we think, that we've got to think – we can't think about – so I think a lot of times we think about like a Venn diagram – in the way we think about our people, that there is this, oh, we've got physical attenders, and then we've got digital attenders. But that would be like saying, do you shop at Amazon, or do you shop at Walmart? Well, hmm. both, Yes. I, I, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I do both, so we're all the same, that all of us do, we all have certainly, we've got, we each have unique habits, but we're the same person, so I think the best, one of the best things that we have done is to think about those people as, they are people just like the people that are physically attending. And uh, on every, on any given Sunday, the person that's in the room watched last week online, and the person that watched online today was maybe in the room last week, that they're mm-hmm. a lot of the same person. Now, the other struggle we have is, well, a lot of these people are outside of the Atlanta area. What can we do with these people? That, that's a, another conversation that's a more, um, that, that is a little bit more complicated. But for the sake of our discussion, let's just take inside of Metro Atlanta area where we have, we've got six, uh, really, we have about eight Atlanta area, maybe nine Atlanta area churches. And depending on what part of the city you're in, we have a church just about within 20 miles of someone. So I think thinking about not just letting the building be the center of our ministry, but thinking about what do we have at our disposal to reach people. And one of the things we have is a building. And one of the things we have is the internet and Mm -hmm. both of excellent tools in reaching people. But the goal, the goal is not to get people to watch a sermon on the internet. And the goal is not to get people in a building on a Sunday morning, that the goal is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, which you got to do the hard work to determine, well, how does that happen? For us, that happens by getting people into group, getting people serving, helping people learn how to give and helping people invite other people. And that's really what we want to do. And the beauty of those four things is that you can do Honestly, you can do all of those without a building. And Mm. if that's possible, then I believe it opens up our boundaries for how we can help people, both in the Atlanta area, but also in different parts of the world. So thinking differently has been, um, that's been a big shift. I think we're so tempted to think in person on Sunday at 9 a.m. in the building. I know uh, you and Craig, when y'all had the conversation, you talked about thinking 167. I've tried to take that language and credit you with it and then help it permeate our entire organization because that that's what that's the opportunity that we have We have the opportunity to help people not just at 9 a.m. on Sunday but throughout the week. I mean if somebody's struggling in their marriage on Tuesday at 5 p.m., the answer of hey come to this address at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning that's not a great answer in the world in the on-demand, uh, I want what I want when I want it economy that we live in. And we can either fight that or we can pay attention to it and we can leverage it through the tools of the day. So that's trying to do.
0: Well, I think we all credit each other with these ideas, which, which isn't such a bad thing, but, you know, I think it might've come out of one of our conversations, but this whole idea, you know, even TV watching, right, right. That, 20 years ago, I mean, Thursday night at eight, when we were kids, Thursday night at eight, when I was in college, that was a big deal because that's when the best comedy shows were on. I mean, yep. Seinfeld used to run on Thursday night. And yep. I mean, you can go way back into yep. into the 80s and the 90s, MASH, all those things. And I mean, if you were not at home yep. with your TV turned on at eight o'clock on Thursday night, you missed it. And your next chance to get it might be in the summer reruns or, yep. you know, then VCRs and PVRs came along And, you know, people use that for a little while. And now, of course, you know, the idea that, oh, my gosh, if you're not home Thursday night at 8 or Monday at 11, I mean, unless this is the Super Bowl, guys, you know, (laughs) unless you're doing live sports, it's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Nobody consumes shows that way anymore. Um, But we have this idea that if we're going to lead you to Jesus, it has to happen inside a box on Sunday morning at set hours, 9 a.m., a.m. 10 30 a.m. I don't know that you have this. I think it's a North American thing, but like Google Analytics is, or Google Maps is kind of fun because, uh, Google Maps will tell you if you're going to a place and you don't have quite enough time to get there before it closes, it'll tell you like, you know, X store may yeah. be closed by the time you arrive or won't be open. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I, I like key in Conexus and I, it's not cause I get lost, but just because, you know, I'm anal about time just to see how fast I can do it. Um, sure it'll tell me, you know, unless I'm going there on a Sunday morning at nine, which is like never because I'm already there, it'll say, hey, maybe closed by the time you get there. Well, most people get that message all the time. But you're saying in the future, we just have to think way beyond those fixed hours inside a box or else, sorry, we don't know how Jesus can help you.
1: That is such a great illustration, Kerry. I don't know if you've ever used that publicly, but you well, you have now, but you should. I
0: just thought about it, actually. It's like, yeah. I mean, anybody Googling your church, will it'll tell you you're closed. Yeah. Um, unless you have that hit that one or two magic hours a week.
1: So the people carry that I have learned from the most are people in, you know, un- unfortunately, most people in the church world, we're, we just haven't caught up yet. I think that we have a legacy business model in the church world. I mean, we, you know, we all do the same mm-hmm. thing. We do a couple songs and somebody preaches a sermon and that's what they were doing in Acts two. They were just sharing prayer requests and, figuring out who needed what and passing out needs and praying for each other. and, But it's it hasn't changed. And I think that legacy business model has maybe, uh, it has kept us from thinking differently about this, but every other industry has already thought through this. So we have a guy that works at our, that uh, runs camera on Sunday in our services, and he runs the local NBC affiliate in Atlanta, uh, W. Oh, yeah. His name is John Duchesne. He's the I guess he's the president of WXIA, so I'm talking to John about this. I'm saying, John, give me help me help me with how I communicate this. Um, I got to figure out how to convince the people I work with that we've got to start paying attention to not just who's there in person, but who's watching. And he goes, Oh, are you joking me? You absolutely do. He said, You know, the Nielsen ratings hardly even uses the live number anymore. I'm like. I don't know that. Tell me more. And he said, he said, Oh yeah. He said, we live and die based on the Nielsen ratings. And he said, if we tried to do, you know, this is us super popular show. If, if we counted how many people watch this is us live, like we would be depressed and it just doesn't give us a full picture. So they use a live plus three days or a live plus seven days number. So we, I am, I am trying to help us make the turn to go, Hey, this is not to inflate our ego. This is not to make us feel like more people are watching This is to help us think differently and because I know that all of our behaviors in our organization will mold to what we measure. They will all bend Mm. to what we say is most important to what we're actually counting because that's the way all of us work. If you tell me that getting more people in the room is what's most important, then I will do everything I can do to get more people in the room. So we've tried to start using a live plus six days number of how many people watched live, how many people were here live, and then how many people watched On Demand in the next six days. The problem is it's really difficult. Not every video provider offers great analytics. I mean, I think it's one Mm -hmm. of the great things using YouTube is YouTube probably offers the best opportunity for you to get uh, more data about who is watching, where are they from, how long did they watch, what is their demographic. And, and and then the goal is not to just count, but you got to start there. you got to start by counting, but then you've got to make up and this is where we're still trying to figure this out. I believe that every church has got to figure out what is your strategy from the time someone clicks either your website or a message to the time they become a whatever your goal is a fully mm-hmm. devoted for Jesus or for us it would be, from the time that they click something to the time that they're in group or, or serving or giving, what's the pathway that they need to be on? And, and then try to create a strategy around that pathway. But it, it looks different today than it's ever looked before. But you got to start by – I believe you start with what you're measuring, and then you build your strategy around it, I think.
0: I remember you shared with me maybe six months ago that conversation about the TV station Live Plus 7. Do you remember the stats that he gave you? I mean, to the extent, like, just so people understand the magnitude of the different measure.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so he goes, so, you know, um, his comment was, hey, uh, not just live sports, like you said a few minutes ago, but he said live sports and live news. Those are the only two things that people watch live these days. And he said, how many people do you think watch the uh, local NBC news in Metro Atlanta. You know, I'm like, I have no clue. He said about 100,000 people a day. Watch the, take all in the morning news, the evening news and the nightly local news, about 100,000 people. He said, how many people click our website, wxie.com in a day? No clue. He said 1.3 million on a bad day. (laughs) So he said, so we had to make a significant shift And and, and it's not devaluing the local news. It's figuring out how do people want to get the local news and then let's make it as easy as possible for them. So he goes, so do you count your shares? I'm going, I don't know what (laughs) you mean by that. I'm assuming we should be counting them though. And he said, yeah, he said what we do. He said, so we'll take the lead story from the news and we'll put it on the front page of WXA.com. Which I'm like, you know, that's what we do. Same thing. We take the lead story, the sermon. Jesus is the lead story. But we take Mm -hmm. the sermon, Jesus, and we put it on the website. I said, yeah, I get that. He said, well, then we count the shares. How many times did that story get shared? Because he said, on every story, we've got a button that says share the story. Which even that has challenged our behaviors and challenged what we are counting. Because that really is um, that, you know, every there's very few places we go in life that we don't go to the screen first. And so I grabbed this language from Crossroads in Cincinnati but really trying to have a screen first mentality that we're just we just believe that the first experience people have with our church is going to be on a screen and mm-hmm. we're okay with that. But that means that we've got to enable our people to start learning how to share not just the whole sermon but how do you help people share the bite sizes of the sermon? Because it can't just be a, hey, go watch this for 40 minutes. It's, hey, you know, Carrie, I heard you're having some marriage trouble. Well, my pastor is doing the series right now called What Happy Couples Know. I'll send you I'll send you just a little taste of it. And then it's sharing the message with you. And hopefully that you take that step, watch a full message, watch another message, binge on the series before that. Then you're going, man, I got to do something about this. And next thing you know, uh, hopefully we can help you take steps to get into a group or to help you. Find a place to serve, or God forbid you start giving to our church. That would be <laughs> amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want, I know you and I swim in this uh, river a lot. We talk about these things a lot. And I don't want people to lose just to sort of orient people because, you know, people who aren't tech or they're like, man, we don't even have like a Facebook presence. Uh, it can be discouraging. But the measurement, I mean, it is 10x. So if you're looking at that from a, Gosh, only 100,000 people or 10,000 people are watching our news or whatever. It gets down to that question. And by the way, I do think we have even the jackhammers here today. If you can't hear that, I don't know what you can hear. But anyway, I'm just going to keep going. That's crazy. Sounds like a housefly. A a a housefly? That's not what it sounds like here. All right. Um, But if the ceiling collapses on me, we'll know the renovations are not going well. Um, So anyway, long story short what you measure really makes a difference. And that gets yeah. down to the met mission versus method question. And yeah. the mission versus method question is simply this. Are you in the news business or are you in the live newscasting business? If you're in the live newscasting TV business, you're in trouble. If you're in the news business, you're fine. You yeah. can adopt your model. You know. Yeah. So are we in the Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. model or are we in the business Or the mission of engaging people in a relationship with Jesus. And just to pull the curtain back a little bit, you know, we all mourned uh, earlier this year the passing of Billy Graham. The challenge with that is that Billy Graham, you know, he was a radical in the 50s. He was heavily criticized for TV evangelism, for global evangelism, for radio, for film. All those things he did now that seem so old school were as radical. Or perhaps even more so than some of the stuff that you've been talking about so far, and yeah. he was heavily criticized for it in the 1950s and 60s. But um, you know, when we I took the live plus seven conversation back to Kenexas Church, so we changed our dashboard, and all of a sudden, because we were only measuring Sunday morning live online, so we looked at podcast, we looked at um, Facebook engagement of actual messages, not just Facebook. Plus, we looked at um, Live numbers. And then we looked at all the different feeds. And all of a sudden, we realized that, you know, we may have 1,400 people, 1,500 people on a weekend. We've got four or 5,000 who are engaging live plus seven with the message. And a lot of them are surfacing now at our campuses. And it's this analog digital seamlessness that we've talked about where it's like, yeah, I wasn't here, but now I'm back. Or I've been watching you for six months. This is my first Sunday. Where it's the seamless interface between the two, and it's been a game changer for us because we're thinking far more about online, and eventually you're going to have to staff to it, right?
1: Yes, yes. So, Carrie, can I? I know this is your podcast, but can I ask you a question?
0: Well, go ahead. I'm going to.
1: What do you What do you think the fear is as, as you have this conversation with people? What you know? What what's the common like? Yeah, but or nah, but if you go in with this, then this is what's going to happen. What what is the fear inside of people that you've experienced?
0: A uh, couple fold. Number one, it's new, and people are afraid of new. Um, yep. We haven't been down this road before. We're pioneering. Secondly, it feels less tangible. It's like yes. I can yes. I can look with my eyes, and I can see the people in the room. Yeah. And and I wonder if it's a little bit of control, um, that there's some control tendencies there, that I know what I can do. Yeah. Um, it's risk, it's experimentation. And then, yeah. you know, what comes up a lot, which is really weird. People ask me all the time, well, how do you get those online to give? Yeah. And I mean, we're doing okay financially as a church. You could always use a little more money, blah, blah, blah. What I tell them all the time is, guys, we're not even asking that question. Like, This is not super intensively expensive to do. Um, Our people give just fine. If people want to give, they can give. But like, if your primary—and that's based on my assumption that the front door of the internet is way bigger than the back door. So in a church our size, if we lost 10%, 20% of our church— for people who are heading out the back door going, I'm going to watch online and never come into the building again and stop being engaged, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's fine. That's not the end of the world. you know. But we have the potential to reach 200,000 people wow. who who aren't in church on the weekend, but they're all online. I will take the 200,000 over the 200 we lose any day. Yep. And I don't think we lost 200 people or else we, we didn't actually drop when we launched online two years ago. We actually grew. We grew in physical attendance, we grew in online attendance, so I don't even think it has to be a net loss. Um, I think it can be a net kingdom gain in just introducing more people to Jesus, but it is weird. But, you know, this podcast is a great example. This was a hobby three and a half years ago. You know, it didn't, 20, 30 years ago, I would have needed a broadcast network and repeater stations and satellite trucks and the whole deal to do this. Now we have this thing called the internet. And, you know, five and a half million downloads later, here we are. It's bananas what you yep. can do literally out of your basement while there's jackhammers up above so
1: <laughs> I think that that last fear that you talked about that's I think that's the one that I I am genuinely the most concerned about and it's the one that probably comes up most common in conversation here is the it just feels like if someone is watching online or if that's the way they're consuming church it feels like they're becoming more disengaged yep. That they're—it feels like they're walking the other way versus when they're here physically. It feels like they're leaning in versus leaning away. But I just have Frank Blake in the back of my head going, "No, they fuel each other. That the more you invest online, the more it fuels the brick and mortar." And we've seen the same thing, Carrie. That the the more our online stuff has grown, the more engaged people have become and the more people that have become engaged.
0: Right. So-, so your net is wider. You are you are reaching more new people. They may not be in the building every Sunday, but you've never had more people. You never had more engagement. I'll tell you what, I, you're going to share a resource we'll talk about at the end. I'm going to see if I can get this thing together. Hopefully it's in the show notes. Um, but I wrote a document when we launched our online campus on the front door of the internet. It was just real simple. Um, But there are some things you can do. If you're doing the line like, hey, wherever you're watching, it doesn't really matter. Enjoy the hammock. Have fun. You don't need to be here. What what you cast vision for, you will get. So we do this thing where it's like, man, if you are within a 30-minute drive of a Connexus location and now we have three, we want you in the room. We want you engaged. We want you to serve. We do. We want you to serve. We want you to invite a friend. You need to be here. We've got a guest forum on the front page of our website at connexischurch.com where people can tell us they're coming. Sometimes they use it. They say, hey, I'll be here. We'll have people meet you. Uh, Like we are, we want you in the room. If you're not within a 30-minute drive, try and do a viewing party or let us know. Now we've added our own strategic partners. We have churches on the East Coast of Canada, in Toronto, near London, Ontario, uh, that are partnering with us. And um, so the idea is that it's not an escape from church, it's a lean into church. It is not It is not a lean out, it is not a backing off, it's a, it's a jumping in. And so far, two years into it, it's two years actually uh, right about now that we launched it, uh, we have seen engagement on all fronts go up. So at least, you know, are there people who are like, I'm never going to church again, and I don't care, and I'm not going to give? Of course, right. you know, we live on this side of heaven. There's probably a handful of them. We wouldn't know who they are, um, but, you know, I think the front side is there. And this is is why I'm so passionate about it, and I'm so glad you're thinking about it at such a granular level. This is where the potential of the future of the church lies. That's
1: right. Like,
0: you know, whoever thought that Facebook—and now I'm turning it into you. You might as well interview me. I'll shut up. We'll go back to you. (laughs) But, you know— who would have thought that, you know, something at, that started at Harvard in a dorm room as a prank would end up being one of the biggest companies on planet Earth in human history, you know, in Facebook?
1: And large companies are moving all of their marketing dollars to moving it 100% over to Facebook because that's where the people are. And oh. that's the best way for them to sell. So, yeah, they're it's, it's, uh It's a huge, significant shift.
0: Well, and that's another shift you've talked about too, you know, going to where people are rather than just having people come to you yep. um, you know yep. Uh, yep. all right you said that there's so many things I want to talk to you about. do you think long term that in person attendance will become a thing of the past
1: i I don't because I think there's something valuable about live experience i think mm. I think that that short little verse that I write to you now with pen and paper, but I long to be with you face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. I think there's something valuable about the hand on the shoulder and being in person with another person. However, I just think we can't let that be our limitation. We can't, you know, what I what this whole conversation has discovered for me is how much our building has uh, created essentially a box, Pun pun intended, for how we do ministry, that we that it is it has created the boundaries for our ministry. When that's not that's not the way God works. That God clearly doesn't hmm. just work in a building. That He does work in loads of different ways in all spaces. And so I think attendance, in-person attendance, is incredibly important because live events and live experiences matter. But at the same time, we can't be limited to that. So I think that's right. the that's the qualification or the clarification that I've had to help make with people that I work with, because I think I made my, I think I have made my, I've made my bosses nervous on lots of different things, but (laughs) I've definitely made them nervous around this conversation because I think they think, I think one of their instincts is, so what are you saying? Are you going to take your foot off the gas of in-person attendance? And the answer is absolutely not. Unfortunately, what this is causing us to do is we've got to put our foot on the gas of in-person attendance, but also we've got to think 167 and think about the other opportunities as well, which that's, um, you know, once we start talking about, so what have we actually done differently? Mm -hmm. That's one of the best things that we've done differently is this has caused us to look at our budget different and look at our staff different. Because I had a guy, I I put together a team of people, uh, mostly outside of our church, people that were a part of our church, but don't work at our church. They're not contaminated by the way we think but they, they, they have no boundaries for the way church should be. And we met together for about mm, four or five months. And one of the questions one of these people asked was, so how many people at North Point Community Church wake up every day thinking about the other 167?
0: Mm. And I'm like,
1: crap. Crap.
0: Well, can we just say exactly, because we've hinted at it, what you mean by the other 167, yeah, just clarify uh, that. A,
1: yeah, uh, 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, seven times 24 is 168, that most of us think about the, I mean, I, I remember when I was, uh, I remember hearing uh, probably Ed Young Jr. and Andy talk about it together, that it's all about the Sunday experience, that you got to keep it simple, and it's all about that one hour experience on Sunday, which I, I, I believe that is true, that that, is, that hour is really important, but I think we've got to broaden our, the way we think to we can't just be limited to that one hour. I mean, here's a silly, simple example, Carrie, but uh, my um, handheld vacuum broke. Yeah. It was, Black Decker. it was about three months old, and it shut down our kitchen. And my wife, you know, every day for about a week was like, hey, have you gotten the vacuum fixed? Can you take a look at it? Well, I have an engineering degree, but I am not a Mr. Fix-It. And so um, I finally was like, okay, I got to do something about this. I went to Black & Decker's website to try to see what their options were. And they said, oh, come to Austell, Georgia, Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Well, that's like an hour away without any traffic. I've got five kids. I've got a full-time job. There's no way I'm driving over there to get this stupid vacuum fixed. And I didn't want to buy a new one because it was so new. So anyway, so I go to, um, while I'm there, this little chat window pops up and this lady named Elizabeth said, hi, I'm Elizabeth Black & Decker. Anything I can do to help you? I said, yeah, you can help fix my vacuum. She's give me the number. I she said I've, this. I said, I've tried that. She said, um, okay, well, give me your address. And then two days later, I had a new vacuum. That's fantastic customer service. And mm-hmm. that's the world works. That is the way companies are responding to the customer demand is we've got to meet their demand right now. And and so if you know that it's the same thing if somebody said, oh, well if you want help, you got to come to this address on North Point Parkway on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. That that just is not the way the world works. We've got to figure out how can we find out where our customer is, who they are, and how can we meet their needs in in the moment or in a short term uh, with a with a with a long term solution, but in a short term way. Oh,
0: I think that's so good. And you know, Craig Grishel came up because he took that whole engagement thing we've been talking about yeah. for a while and turned it into the one sixty seven. That was his application at Life Church, which I think is brilliant. They're focused on it. You're focused on it. We're focused on it. But, you know, so many of us have that story. Yesterday, I'm driving to Toronto, returning a faucet that isn't working in the bathroom. And they're like, we close at five. Well, I'm fighting traffic. And I'm like, like, literally, you're going to shut the door at five. And they're like, there's no post 5 p.m. option. Are you kidding me? And people don't think that way anymore. And yet, you know, listen, th- this leadership podcast is on demand. Some of you are listening at three o'clock in the morning. I may be sound asleep. And what <laughs> the point is not you know, shut down your church completely yep. on a Sunday yep. or keep it open every night a week because you'll have 12 people in the room. Eventually you get diminishing returns. The key is you've got to think beyond the box and you've got to think yep. beyond the Sunday morning window or the Thursday night window or the Monday night window or wherever you happen to do your services and say, how can we start serving people and introducing people to Jesus 24 seven in the internet is the ultimate way yep. to do that.
1: I would agree. I would also, I, I think we've had to pay attention to scarcity. I think mm. we, you know, yeah, we had it because we've had all the conversations carry of, should we just black out the internet, you know, in Atlanta so that people have to come to one of our buildings? Right. I think that would be absolutely silly to do that. Um, but that's, that's a conversation we've had. And we've also had to say, Hey, there is some content that we're going to keep scarce because there is a value of you can only get this at this time, and we're going to try to create some buzz around it. And so par- particularly in, Give student, me an example. In, in student ministry, we, we keep our messages scarce. Um, we keep our special event messages scarce because we want them to be at the event. So, and and that's, a, that's a strategic decision that we have made. Is it right or is it wrong? I don't know. The point, though, is that you've got to have those conversations of what do we want? Do we want as many people to get this as possible and leave this up for all time's sake? Or do we want to create some buzz around the event? So in regards to our special events, we just decided, hey, these events are so special. They're so unique. You know, camp or uh, a weekend retreat. You know, the toughest are when we do these in-town weekend retreats and students could get it anywhere, but we want them in the building at the event. And so we, we've in that case, choose scarcity. Um, Andy was taught, we learned this because he was talking about, I guess, I don't know, whenever uh, immigration was the hot conversation politically a couple of years ago, Andy said, hey, I think I want to preach on immigration, but I don't want to stream it because I am i don't know exactly how it's going to go. And so we shut down our online stuff and we had bigger attendance than Easter Sunday because everybody was like, oh, the only way to get it is got going to be there. Okay, well, then I'll be there. And, and so we've learned that that's possible. But we, I don't know that we necessarily gained anything by people being in the building other than they were more frustrated because they had to the be-
0: traffic and all the kids' environments were full. and Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I think those are good examples. You know, we did, I'll give you one more example quickly just to be tangible, but we did a kickoff to 2018, the Problem of God series, Mark Clark's book, a yeah, great book. Oh, and we bought up um, hundreds and hundreds, I think it was almost a 1,000 copies of The Problem of God. And we gave them away free, but only on one Sunday. And you had to be in the room. You couldn't like get for your friend or whatever. And if you showed up the next week, they weren't there. And, and that was great. And we don't do that all the time. But it was like, we want to drive. We want people to track with the series. We think it's a really important message. We want you to invite your friends. If you're in the room, you get a free book. If you're not, you don't. And we told that to our online audience. And again, we had, you know, all-time record attendance, the whole deal, but it increased engagement for the whole series, but more importantly, for the subject, which is a really needed subject where where we are, um, and led a lot of people to Christ, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dream a little bit. If yeah. you could do anything you wanted to connect people today, digitally or analog, what would you do?
1: Well, I mean, I I don't, I don't know if this is any different than what I've said already, but I think I, I, I really am, I feel committed to trying to create a frictionless engagement pathway from the time someone clicks to what we would call being fully engaged. So I, I, wanna, I want to create an engagement pathway where it begins with, you know, us go, not just waiting on who's coming to us, but us going to... Our, our, our primary customer, which for us is, we, this has also helped us be more customer centric because it's made, it made us define who are we after? Who do we really want? Who, who do we have the most success with? And for us, it's the 36 year old dad of two. We call him successful Steve. He loves the appearance of success, but internally he's got all kinds of questions about his worth and his value. And he feels like a failure because his wife's kind of annoyed because he's not the spiritual leader that she wants him to be, but yet she wants him to party <laughs> on the weekend, but be you know Andy Stanley during the week <laughs> and he's making great money, but he has no margin because he just spends it all. He's got no great financial practices, so he's just got a lot of he's got a low grade anger. He's got he's got a drinking problem because it's how he copes. And he, th- I mean that guy. There are thousands and thousands of that guy in our community, and we can get our message in front of that guy. We don't have to wait for that guy to get to us. I mean, this is what digital marketers do is they say, hey, I, will, I know exactly where that guy is. He's on LinkedIn every day. And so we're going to get that message in front of him. So for me, my hope, my goal would be that we're going and finding that guy and putting the most compelling 60-second, 90-second, four-minute eight-minute, 10-minute message in front of that guy, leaving breadcrumbs, uh, drawing him in. And if he's seeking, then we hope to be there and help him find Jesus. I mean, most people find Jesus when they're seeking. And so for us, that's the dream, is how do we go find that guy, get the message in front of him, and create an engagement pathway that's frictionless, where there's really very little barrier, including Uh, no physical proximity, a barrier of physical proximity, or even a barrier of time, um, that he could take those steps anytime he's ready. So that that would be the dream for me.
0: Well, and I think the argument, I'm so glad you used that example. I think the argument, Clay, is that guy may never get in front of you in a room unless you reach him online. He may never hear. He may never hear. He may never know that there's a solution, which makes me really excited about it. Yeah. Um, let's talk to large churches for a moment, yeah. um, and we will get to small churches. So hang on. All right, um, they have a budget, they have a staff, uh, they can fund this to some extent. They probably have a pretty robust online presence that is likely underutilized. Um, what are some ideas that can help them, large churches?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you two. Um, or he, I, I, I don't know. I, I hate prescribing things to people, Carrie. So. I will tell you two things I've done, and if these are a waste of your time, then uh, I am so sorry to those of you who are listening, but I hope these will be helpful. The first thing I've done is I put everything, um, I tried to make this as clear, as simple, and as well thought through as possible, and I tried to put it on paper in a one-page document that I've given to all of our staff. I've put it in front of them at every one of our staff meetings. I've put it in every one of our meeting rooms, and so um, you mentioned that as a download for people. so that, um, I'll be happy to share that with anybody who just wants to see it because I wanted, to, I wanted to keep it in front of our staff to let them know, hey, this is most important right now. This is most important. In, in your margin, I know with you know, 90% of your work week, you're thinking about student ministry, but in your margin, would you think about how we could engage students through the computer that they're walking around with in their pocket? So that's the first thing I've done that I feel like has just helped get this message into every crack and cranny of our organization.
0: And what do you call this document? And we I will have it
1: available. It, I call it our four big moves, cool. but it really, it, you know, I used, um, I love Jim Collins, uh, hedgehog questions of what are we deeply passionate about? What can we be best in the world at? And what drives our growth engine? And I use those questions to say, okay, I mean, we've got our mission. We've got our vision. We know what we're about, but I, took our team through this process to say, let's internalize this and let's own it for ourselves. And so using those questions, just doing it in, in a different way, it allowed us to chew on it in a different way. And then I just, I used Jeff Bezos's uh, letter to share, to his shareholders yes. in 2016 that was so fantastic. And he talks about paying, paying attention to the external trends. And so we went through a whole process of what has changed in our world and what are the realities that we've got to pay attention to, that our church is 22 years old, What's true today that wasn't true 22 years about years ago, and then we talked about some new ways to think, and how can we think differently so that we can adjust to accommodate to the way the world is changing. And then out of that, we developed here's four big moves. Here's four big things that, you know, these are going to happen in the margin. I mean, I, I get it. Like student ministry, they're going to be thinking about camp this summer. That's not going to change. You know, our service programming team, our creative team, they're going to be thinking about the service on Sunday. Yes, we can't stop thinking about that but uh, in, our, in our margins, what are the other big things that we wanna do? And so we came up with these four big things. So, and then the, the second thing I would say, other than um, putting that document in front of everybody, which has just given me talking points, allowed me to have the conversation with people. The second thing is we create, I, I knew we had to create, I wanted to create some sort of competitive system on our staff that was rewarding people who had ideas. But I didn't know how to do that. You know, I've, I've always heard that mm. Google, when you work there, they give you like, okay, this is your job, but you can do something on the side. Have you heard about this?
0: Oh, yeah, the 20% rule, totally. Yeah, the,
1: there we go, okay. And so this is how like Google Drive was developed, evidently. It yeah. was somebody who, this was their little side pet project. So I just started thinking, okay, how can we, how can I get everybody on our team thinking about this? So what I did is this all happened like end of 2017. I, I, I carved about five or 10% uh, out of our budget and made some pretty significant, a couple of big decisions that allowed us to free up about anywhere between five and 10% of our budget. And I created a fund, basically a, a digital slush fund or a digital research fund, where I've told our staff, hey. Any idea that you have that has to do with the internet, I will fund it. What you have to do is you've got to turn in three things. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me how you're going to measure it and tell me how you're going to know how it went. What's a win? That's it. Get those three things and I'll pay for it. And so that is mind. it has mind ideas because now I've got, you know, our, uh the people that are responsible for our care network. They're thinking about, hmm. Maybe we don't have to bring everyone here for a training. Maybe mm-hmm. we can create the training and put it on demand and then somehow keep up with which leaders have watched it and which leaders haven't and then create discussion around it online. I, there's, there's a thousand different ideas in student ministry. I mean, all of our group, our, our student ministry, it happens on group me. It happens on little chat apps, you know? What happens on Sunday when they show up here is important. But what happens during the week, the conversation that happens, I was with one of our small group leaders at lunch the other day. He, we, he opens up his phone at the end of the lunch. He goes, look, 67 new messages. This wow. is at lunch, and these kids are supposed to be in school, Carrie. And uh-huh. the students, 67 messages, and that was in an hour at lunch. But that's where the conversation happens in student ministry. So I'm going, okay. What if our student ministry said, hey, we're going to figure out how to take our message and turn it into a one-minute message that a leader can drop on the group me and ask one question that they chew on during the week? I mean, that, that's the way we got to start thinking because that conversation, we got to figure out how to have it in a 167 kind of way and not just the hour when they're here kind of way.
0: Those are but great this, ideas.
1: This fund has, uh, I feel like this fund has mined some of that.
0: Well, and we'll put the Four Big Moves document in the show notes. So uh, just click on over to com to find those. Uh, Google or search in the search window, Clay Scroggins name, you'll find them there. Um, and uh, let's talk quickly about business leaders and then small church leaders as we speak through the jackhammers. So go ahead.
1: I can't hear him anymore. Now I just Good. tune him out. This is, this, is the way, this is the way I feel like my bosses think about me. They're just like, right. we, just, you know, we, we don't even me.
0: hear you anymore. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Keep talking.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean small churches. I mean, I, I, I would say I, I I hesitate because I don't I don't know the pressures. I, I worked at I started working at North Point when I was twenty three years old. Mm. I've been attending church here since I was eighteen. Um, I, it, I I grew up at a mid sized church, but I would just say. You don't have to invent new technology and you don't have to create new technology. So much of this, it really is leveraging technology that already exists. So as you said, you know, Facebook Live, I mean, if I were at a small church, I would immediately start putting my, my messages on Facebook Live. I would immediately put them on YouTube. And that's very easy to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology has increased so much. I would, you know, using, uh, you know, we use uh, uh, PushPay as our giving app. I mean, it has significantly helped our recurring givers. And I feel like now, even what you were talking about previously, when, well, if people are going to watch online, is it going to affect the way they give? I would argue it's easier to give if they watch online than it is if they're here in person. Because, mm-hmm. and, and our giving has, it has radically changed because of the uh, new potential of recurring automated giving. And that's been significant for us. And so- you know, I tell I, I, I use that every week whenever I'm talking about giving is I use that line from Life Church that, hey, the best and easiest way to give is the way my wife and I give is to give through our app or through our website. Uh, we really would love it if you'd automate your giving. Um, I would immediately start find a giving app or a giving uh, back end system that can help you allow people to start giving online. I mean, that's the best thing that this whole thing might provide is the easiest way to, for people to give, really is digitally. So those are just a few things for small churches, I would say. What about but, you? I mean, know, what do you, small churches? you know,
0: yeah, because I've had experience in small church. I mean, that's where I started. Um, I would I would actually go back to our mutual friend, Jeff Henderson's episode that I did early on in the new year. I think it's like episode 174 or something. I'm going to look it up. Jeff talked all about how to be for your community, the whole for initiative, And that, dude, that is free. That is like as free as it gets. And I'm just about there. I'm going to, I never have windows open because I get distracted. But where is it? Jeff Henderson, episode 174, called that one, um, right after Craig Grishel. So 174. And actually, I think Craig talked about uh, the 164, 67, thank you. Now I'm scrambled in my numbers, in episode 173. So that's a good tandem thing. I would definitely do what Jeff does. And uh, before your community. And honestly, I think it starts with engaging people and loving people. I think it is that simple. And you can do that on Facebook, you can follow other people, you can bless a business in your community, like anybody can do that. And the other piece of advice I would be is like, find the teenagers, find the young peoples, they are on the internet, um, like most of your church isn't. And if you can engage one or two of them, and let them run with it. You'll be amazed at what can happen. Um, at this point in my life, just about everybody who does anything technical to me is twenty to thirty years younger than I am, wow. and they know they know that stuff. Uh, business leaders, any thoughts for business leaders? We have a growing number of business leaders listening.
1: Let me. Can I? Uh, I just want to do one example about your the Jeff's Four concept, which is just tremendous. Uh, I was talking to. Um, we have a church in Athens, Georgia, called Athens Church. I guess yeah. you've got Sean.
0: Sean Sean's been on too yeah Sean C uh
1: one of the best uh, they we I was having this conversation with them last week and they said oh listen the best thing that we have done is uh the most watched thing that we put on the internet he said um and they were in the national championship game January 9th yeah he said that weekend uh we just took an iPhone went around the campus and asked people said hey what do you want to say to the dogs what do you want to say to the players and people start crying you know people say like you have no idea how much you've meant to me like thank you so much like you gave me and my dad the most amazing memory mm. in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl thank you like i'm you know of course people spiritualize They're like we're praying for you we love you god's with you you know stuff like that but but it was just basically a way for the community to say thank you thanks for giving us such a great time it's been a fun season we we're going to love you guys no matter what we're for you and they just ended it with uh, a little screen that said Athens I love you because that's their big that's the way that they say for they ran it at the beginning of their service people gave it a standing ovation and then they put it on Facebook and it's the most watched thing that they've ever put out there which i just think it's so, i mean and how endearing is that to that community you know and it's so easy so that's a great. Exa- I would have never thought about the four thing, but that's a no. Great-
0: that's good. Sean C, by the way, is episode one fifteen. Now that the uh, document's open, I can uh, spout off yeah. episode numbers. I was so- going to
1: say. I thought, I thought you were just doing this from memory, like your Rain Man or something. I- like, I'm you have- just
0: pretending. I'm yes, I did that from memory. Thank you. Uh, business leaders, business, business leaders. Play.
1: I mean, honestly, the you know, if I could talk to business leaders in 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 at our church, I would say, please help us. I mean, that's the greatest thing. I I, mm. I don't know as far as what can business leaders do to innovate, I feel like business leaders have more to offer to help the local church because I feel like businesses are so far ahead of the game. I mean, you think about food delivery. I mean, it, it's all going technological now. I mean, everything's, you know, my 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 calendar on my phone is syncing up with my nutrition habits on my Fitbit and my food showing up when my calendar says for it to show up exactly what I want. So, I feel like business leaders are so far ahead of the game that I, I would love it if they would lean in more to local churches to help us figure this out because they think so differently. You know, when you, when, you know, the, one of the great things about capitalism, one of the great things. There's many things that aren't so great about it, but one of the great things about capitalism is this free market, this ability to think about possibility and what could be. And the business leaders just think that way. I feel churches, we just don't, we just don't think necessarily that way. So what I did with these business leaders that helped us last fall is I said, Hey, if North point were a business and you were going to turn, you were going to make profit, you were going to turn it, turn it into a way to make profit. What would you do? And that question unlocked so many different thoughts and pathways because that's the way those men and women think. And it was just helpful to, uh, of course we can't do all that they would say to do, No, but it's the conversation that produces the, the fruit.
0: Well, I think that's really good advice. And you know what, Clay, I have a feeling that at some point you and I, you know, five, 10 years down the road might listen to this conversation and go, wow, like we were right in the middle of it. Um, I can't believe what we didn't know, but here's what I am so grateful for. Um, Is I've had this conversation with multiple leaders in multiple places, and I I think I just love your thinking on it. I think you've taken it further than most, and um, if there's been a little bit of mud in this, it's because we are right in the middle of it, and like five years from now, we're going to see things way more clearly than we will right now, but that should never excuse us from trying to figure this out, trying to do our best. And it's an on you know we had the Roman roads in the first century that made the Apostle Paul's travels happen. We had the um, you know the invention of the printing press in the fifteenth century that made the Reformation possible. And now we have this thing called the internet and technology that make the dissemination of the gospel and connecting with people anywhere really possible. And we're trying to figure it out. And so we're blazing new trails. You're doing that, Clay. You've helped a lot of leaders today. Um, we will uh, upload that stuff to the show notes, so make sure you go to kerrynewhoff.com for that. Search out Clay Scroggins, a little search window at the top right. Clay, where can people find you online? They're going to want to connect with you as well.
1: Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Clay Scroggins, and then clayscroggins.com for uh, to stay in touch. Can I say one last thing, Carrie? Totally. One of the um, one of the things that these uh, that I, I am that I'm trying to use to challenge me to just move because I feel like so much of this is you just got to go. You just got to do it because Mm -hmm. this is moving so fast. It's changing so quickly. I think our tendency is to get in a room and spend six months to come up with a philosophy and then go. And the truth is you just need to start doing some stuff and trying it and the, uh, the phrase I like, you know, when the, I don't know if the GPS system still do this, but a lot of times you get in a car, the GPS system will pop up. And the first thing it'll say is uh, the map will appear when the car is in motion. Yeah. And I think that is the way this is going to be, that 80 percent of what we think is true is not true. And we're missing it. But the only way we're going to find out is when we start moving. And when we start trying things and go, okay, we tried Facebook live and oh my goodness, some people watched. And then we put a little thing on the lower thirds that said, come Thursday night to this digital event that we're going to try. And turns out no one came. And so we're trying to figure out what's next. I, I, I don't know that, but that's what I think we've got to remember is that to your point, none of us know what we're doing. This is all brand new. And so just go try some things. And the truth yes. is people that are going to figure this out they're probably not at the big churches. They're probably at the smaller no. churches where they have more freedom, more flexibility, lower, uh, maybe there's less risk, but th- it really is the opportunity cost that's at stake is what, what, what would we miss if we don't do this? But just remember, the map will appear when the car is in motion. And I think we'll start figuring out along the way.
0: <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. And what do you got to lose? Not that's much, right. Right. not much. It's amazing. You could change the world. Clay, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I know we will have more conversations in the future, online and offline. And just what a gift you are to so many of us and to leaders. Thank you, my friend.
1: Thank you, Kerry.
0: Woo, that melted your brain. It melted my brain. I'll tell you that. That's why I love Clay. And so those resources that we promised are available in the show notes if you go to kerrynewhoff.com slash episode 193. That's CarrieNewhoff.com episode 193. You will find everything. And uh, if you can't remember that, just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com. In the search window, search out Clay Scroggins, and you'll see the show notes for episode 193. You can download um, our digital strategy for online. I got to tell you, guys, it's working. We're over two years into it now. Um, We have about 1,500 people in person, 5,000 people a week, live plus We'll tune in to our services. It's unbelievable. That's via podcast on demand, Facebook Live. And now 50% of the people, over half the people who show up at Connexus, say, hey, we've been watching for like weeks or months online. It's all how you angle it. Your online presence does not have to be a net loss. It can be a net gain. Uh, We're actually seeing that in real time. Uh, Clay's got his resource that he's happy to share with you. Find that in the show notes. kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 193. And of course, guys, it's free. It's free. And it's free because of great partners like Belay that will help you with your virtual solution. If you're looking for something, go to belay.com. Go to belaysolutions.com forward slash carry and uh, get started today with a new team. And don't forget, The Art of Better Preaching is coming out next month. Jump on the wait list, theartofbetterpreaching.com Mark Clark and I can't wait uh, to help you lead at a higher level through your communication. So next week, uh, I am back with a fresh episode on Tuesday, and my guest is Life Church's Jerry Hurley. He got on board back in 1998 when the campus—so Life Church today, 80,000 people, 29 locations, growing every month, it seems. And uh, there were about 600 people. On a single site, and Jerry jumped on board. He tells the story, and he left corporate to do it. It's a fascinating interview. Here's a sneak peek.
1: And I felt this call to ministry, but I didn't know what to do with it. I had (sighs) had no seminary training.
0: I didn't know what to do with it. And I was struggling for about six months after I was was sure that I was called, and I had a conversation with an older, wiser person, which I always recommend if you're struggling. Have a Mm. conversation with somebody older and wiser. And I just told him the story, and he asked me a couple of questions. And he said, are you sure you're called to ministry? And I said, yes. He said, well, then what I would do is I would continue to prepare professionally, spiritually,
1: in every way. And then when God opens the door, walk through it. And that's just what that did. It just took all the pressure off because I was trying to make something happen.
0: So that's next week on the podcast. Subscribers, you get it for free. Thank you to all of you who subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet, I would just love for you to do that. It's free because here's what's coming down the pipe. Mark Clark is back. We are going to give you some free tips on preaching I talked to Brian Carter, my good friend, Kevin Jennings, who has worked with Tony Robbins, Oprah, Dave Ramsey, and so many others, all about how to launch an online platform. Plus, we've got Les McEwen coming back on the podcast. Uh, who else? Nancy Duarte, John Gordon, Andy Stanley is back. Andy just confirmed he'll be back. Patrick Lencioni, Levi Lusco, so many more. Um, all that comes to you for free. In fact, from time to time, we're going to be doing more than one episode a week. That's how far ahead we are on this thing. And you won't miss a thing if you subscribe. Hey, thank you so much leaders. Whether you work in a church, whether you work in a business, we are so grateful you're listening. Thank you for all your support, all your love. If this helped you share it, you know, I'm talking to a growing number of leaders who are like, we're taking this to our whole team. And this has become the leadership team, the board discussion, whatever. So whether you're in a business, digital disruption is real. In a church, digital disruption is real. And you can leverage it for good. That's what we're trying to do anyway. Um, Back next Tuesday. Thanks so much, guys. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast.